It's the Benz Brunani woman is Baby boys, baby girls, you need to hear this Baby sit down, sit down, receive this realness Make sure your cup's ready for the tea we are go sip it here Hard time scrolling for your long shorts You might learn something you never know Collect you find, and she's one of a kind Don't say you mind, say you mind It's staying there, it's staying there the football, the football is staying there. But you, <laughs> you're coming home. You're coming home. You're coming. You twats are, twats are coming home. Obviously, the twats does not apply to all of the black players. Well done to all of you that went out there in such a hostile environment in Russia, hostile environment in England. And you went and you did your motherfucking best. Well done to all of the black English players I commend you all Everybody else I don't give a damn Welcome Welcome to another episode of SYM Officially known as Say Your Mind Unofficially known as what? What? That's right Suck your mom Suck your mom That will be a forever mood and it makes me laugh when people meet me and they're like, oh my God, um, wow, that's such a graphic title for a podcast. No one, no one, no one asked you to motherfucking listen. That, that's, that is the cheat code to this game. Nobody asked you to listen. If the title is already making you sweat, this was never for you. So just keep it cute and keep it moving. Anyway, I am Kelechi Okafor. Mam Naimia Kelechi Okafor. That's Polish, just dashing it in there because I feel like it. Um, I've got a guest in the studio today, but not like a traditional guest. My guest is a dog named Pickle. Pickle. Pickle's resting right now. Pickle is my best friend's dog. Um, she's moving at the moment, so I'm dog sitting. So Pickle is staying with me. I've never had a pet in my entire life. Every plant I've owned has died. So let's see how this goes. My pickle should be fine because my partner, my partner's great with dogs. He's had dogs ever since he was little. So he's fantastic with pets and he's always growling at them in the streets, which sometimes worries me as an individual, but they have the best time. So yeah, um, pickle is here resting. So in case you hear any yelps, um, that's just pickle, like getting used to the space. But yeah, so that's my intro. Um, let me just catch you up on some bits. Oh, it's been a busy week. My God, I'm so exhausted. I just literally said I'm coming in to record the thing, and I'm just out going home to, you know, just take a cup of tea. Can actually just take a cup of tea, take a cup of tea. That's what I really want to do. I just want to go home and rest. So I've had a week long residency at uh, the BFI, the British Film Institute um, in South Bank. Um, yeah, I've been there all week doing workshops, a week long workshop with some secondary school children, year nines and tens um, as part of their work experience and a couple of six formers as well. So my group, um, I was teaching them dance for the whole week and the theme was uh, women of the wind rush. So we were informed, although Catherine Dunham wasn't um part of that um 
um, part of the women of the Windrush per se. I just thought that the, her dance technique and the way that she kind of um, tried to meld our experiences, the experiences of the African diaspora, I just really, really rated it. And I thought that that would be an apt um that would be an apt um, person, a practitioner for us to study. So that's who um, I focused on for the whole week with my students. And they were wonderful. We even used tarot to inform our practice and to come up with our mission statement and, and our code of um, ethics as we would be working through um, the process and devising all of our pieces. So we worked in collaboration with the music group who um, were led by Zana. Zana's amazing. And... Um, then we also worked with the group that did poetry and they were led by a shell OT from sister in podcast. Um, they were led by her and, and then the Cuba Shan Baptiste was there as well. She was, uh, leading the journalism group and we also had um daisy and jade who were leading the filmmaking group so all of us women women of color and um, predominantly black women um teaching these young people from all over well from london all over london from their schools teaching them about the wind rush and um creating pieces that were informed by that and they all performed at 1 p.m on friday um, at the BFI and it was wonderful I was so proud I was so proud I mean in that moment I was just definitely like I could never be a teacher because I would have fucked up these children like we would be fighting but all in all it was wonderful it was a wonderful experience because they were they were truly truly um, amazing and they were so receptive and so responsive and so creative like so so creative um, it really, really inspired me. So I had the best time. I had the best time doing that. But at the same time of, of, of doing that, I was still teaching classes in the evening. Even on one of the days, I went off to go and film a commercial. Um, so I was filming a commercial for pretty much most of the day. And I had to dance a lot in that commercial. So that'll be out soon. I signed an NDA, so I can't tell you what it's about. But when the commercial comes out, it's pretty much going to be on social media. I'll holler at you, man, and let you know that it's there. So if you want to support the thing, it's there. Or, I mean, you could always send it to your friends um, to hate on me in private. As someone did earlier on this week, I posted um, a picture of a book that um, my partner had bought me, um, How to Rent a Negro, because it was on my Amazon wish list. So he just goes on my Amazon wish list and like gets me stuff. I wish more of you would do the same. That that would be truly lovely. But you know, whatevs. Anyway, um, he got me some wonderful books and um, one of them was How to Rent a Negro. Now, one useless person decided that um, she wanted to send my story to her friend, but obviously she just ended up sending it back to me. And she was just like, but isn't her bae white? So isn't he renting her as a Negro? I wrote her the longest dragging of her motherfucking life. Because what I can't stand are black women that are just so, so hateful towards other black women. Now, the wickedest is my girl follows me. She follows me and she's writing ki, 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 ha, 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 yay. Oh my God, yas, to all of my stories. I never respond because for some reason I just chose not to respond to her. And sometimes people send me responses to my stories and I just don't respond because I don't think it's necessary. Um... So I've never responded to her for some reason. But meanwhile, you're saying, yes, ha, 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 ha. But then you're making comments um, and sending it to your friend. So I dragged her. I dragged her and I posted her page on my Instagram stories because I feel like people need to know that I'm not the motherfucking one. And you need to understand that 
I tell you all the time, I'm a dickhead in recovery. You feel like you can move mad, but I promise you I can move a hundred times madder. Like you've never seen madness like mine, you know? I'm just working on it through all these amazing black women who have written some fantastic things about self-discovery, self-actualization and like black feminism. That's what's helping me to become um, a more rounded person. But at any time, because I am from Peckham, at any time I can get wild. So don't play, don't play yourself because when you think you're playing me, you're really playing yourself. And God will continue to show us all your dry pussies because until you start walking, in the light, truly walking in the light, your pussy will continually be exposed because that's what you need for you to learn your karmic lesson to stop being such a two-faced pussy clark bitch. That's what you need. So, um, yeah, I dragged her. Her brethren tried to send me one um, email on my um, Kalechnikov studio account like, Oh, if my it was clear that my friend sent it to you by accident. So why are you in your feelings? Are you dumb? I feel like uh, there are so many people who are very, very dumb, very dumb, and they try to rationalize things in really weird ways. And I wonder if you piss when you go to the toilet to have a wee, I think that you do it resting your head in a toilet bowl because I just, I feel like you do everything fucking back to front because that that's the only explanation for why you would think that you could rationalize something that you're clearly in the wrong. I didn't read the rest of the message. I'm very, very good at like, not reading messages. If I choose that I don't want to see it, then I don't want to see it. So I just simply just delete the thing. I send it to junk because I didn't read the rest of whatever her crusty, foul-mouthed friend, like dirty mouth friend had to say. But I just, this is me really imploring you whenever you decide to listen to this at any point in your week, stop following people you don't like. Stop listening to people you don't like. Stop watching people you don't like. Those are minutes of your life you could use doing something else that's so much more productive, but you're using it to culminate more negative energy in your life. How do you plan to move forward? How do you plan to be better? Yeah. Your pussy would not be so dry and useless if you actually took time instead of watching what I'm doing, hating me, use it to lubricate yourself, get yourself a yoni egg, start doing more pelvic floor exercises. That will help you. I feel like if you're pum pum ton up, if you can quint it up five times in a row, you will just generally have a level of confidence that will help you move through life and not hate on other women. That's my only advice really. But um, yeah, so that happened. Um, that's pretty much it. That's like my update for this week. I had some bits about influencers who are upset because, you know, I don't support everything that they say, but I don't think that that's even worth going into. But just because I follow you doesn't mean I have to agree with everything that you say and I can support you and still let you know when you're in the wrong. And if I don't feel like it's my place to just run up in your DMs and be like, I, what you said is actually factually inaccurate or rare, rare, rare. I just won't promote that thing. I just won't engage with that particular narrative that you are involved in at that particular moment because I don't want to seem disingenuous and I don't want to seem two-faced and I don't want to go against my own morals. So if you've done something publicly and people are dragging you for it, I can offer you support in terms of the dragging because the dragging's not nice. But what you said was still inaccurate and it's inflammatory and it's dangerous to the black community as a whole. And so if that's upsetting because, oh, I don't feel like people supported me and you've got to go to events and actively be cold to people 
um, because you want to make a point of, oh, well, no one supported me. You're wasting your time. And sometimes some of you influencers need to remember that I'm a bigger girl for a lot of you guys. Like I'm not your age mate and I never like to pull rank, but remember I'm not your age mate. I will slap you the way that a 31 year old is meant to slap you. Don't ever get it twisted. Behave yourself. Followers mean nothing when my hand touches your face. Behave yourself. On that note, let's move on to something more cheerful. Woo! Ah. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. <laughs> yeah, moving on. I mean, I mean it's it's weird. It must be weird like listening to the podcast because I do facial expressions to the like camera and some people can't see that, but yeah. Whatever. Anyway, moving on to share your magnificence for this week. Um, as I've already mentioned it in abstract, um, one of my share your magnificence goes out to Olivia Little, also known as Liv Little, um, who is the editor in chief of Galdem magazine. Liv is a baby girl. Liv is a baby girl. And I often talk about destiny helpers on this show. Uh, and Liv, I definitely feel she's like my destiny helper. She's so wonderful. And she's just making waves in the industry. And she's showing that things can be done in a way um, that people hadn't thought of before or didn't think um, could be possible or like um, successful. Um, I just really, really appreciate her because when I did my twerk shop at the Victoria and Albert Museum, that was because of the Galdem takeover of the um, V&A Museum. That's how I ended up there. She hollered at me and she was like, and I don't even think at this point we'd actually met. She just said to the Victoria and Albert Museum, like, yeah, I want to work with this person. I want, you know, Kelechi to be involved. And I love when other black women are like, you know what, I want you to have a seat at the table because again, no tea, no shade, but some of you influencers, you want to be the only black um, feminist um, on the national stage, as it were. So as much as you pretend to support other women, you really, really don't because for you, it's about you being the center. And so when any critique is offered to you or you feel like you're being critiqued in any way, that's actually helpful to you because you're on a public platform. So you don't want to be saying things that actually aren't correct. You get mad and you start moving wild, but that's your own karma. Like I already said before, but back to live. She's just amazing because she's really about supporting other black women. And whenever there's an opportunity to get paid, like this girl just hollers at me and makes sure that I'm part of the program and I forever appreciate it. So Victorian Albert, um, Albert Museum was a big step up, you know, in what I'd been doing. And it, it was just amazing. It was an amazing experience. One of the best experiences I've ever had doing what I do in terms of twerk and pole dance and all of that stuff. Um, it really, really made a difference. So for her to now holler at me again um, for the BFI residency, because the BFI residency was like BF and well, Galdem X or Galdem featuring the BFI. She hollered at me again and was like, oh, um, would you be interested in doing a workshop? Um, of your choice but the theme is um, women of the windrush and I thought yeah I'd love to do that because I'd like to I'd like to focus on something that has a lot of theory and as well as a lot of praxis and you know um, ballet creole that was um, you know the Dunham technique these are all things that I covered with these young people and I'm ever grateful to have had the opportunity to interact with them in that way so just thank you, Liv, for always bringing me in. Big up, Galdem, for always doing just bits out in these street, uh, streets. I truly, truly appreciate it. Um, 
I love working with young women. I love work, working with young people. So any opportunity that I have to be able to share or impart any of my experiences um, onto them, I, I relish it so much. And that's where Tanya Compass comes in. And I've mentioned Tanya before. Um, Tanya always hollers at me. Tanya is a baby girl of baby girls. Like Tanya Compass is an actual angel. Like I love her so fucking much. I can't even describe like always thinking of me. She's like, oh, the girls love you. Can you come back and do this with them? The girls love you. Can you come? I've, I've worked with Tanya so many times now. Like it's, it's wonderful. I, I just really appreciate being able to impact um, in a positive way the lives of all of these young women. So some of the young women that I actually worked with on International Women's Day when I did a twerk shop, I ended up seeing them again when um, I did the residency at the BFI this week. They were like, Miss, we had you for the twerk shop, you know, in Vauxhall. I said, yes, you did. So you know how I get down. They were wonderful. And we were all like, like dashing out and dropping into splits and doing all of the bits on Friday when we were officially done with... Um, with the whole week So big up Tanya Thank you so much Tanya And then another person That really impacted me this week Is Kevin Morosky. Obviously he's been on the show before And he'll be back very very soon We're doing another episode Because I feel like I want Kevin in my life All of the time on this show At least until this show ends FYI the show ends in 22 weeks Counting from this episode <laughs> Some of you have said like Don't remind us But I just feel like you need to know that This Marks 22 weeks left until this finishes So yeah, anyway um, So I'll try and get Kevin on as much as I can um, Between now and then So Kevin, what can we say about Kevin? Kevin is someone that not just like talks the talk But he walks the walk He jumped into my DMs last week And was like, oh, can I have your number? I want to put you forward for something And I was like, oh, okay So I sent him like my work number and that And Next thing, someone's calling me and they're like, oh, we're, we're casting a commercial and Kevin's just showed us all of the videos of you dancing and we'd love you to be in it. And I thought, huh? Usually castings, I have to like bend over backwards, bring the blood of my grandmother and find five chickens and two yams to submit before they even like call me forward. Do you know, do you guys know how fucking many times I've put myself forward for Top Boy? It's actually getting ridiculous, yeah? Top Boy... Keep putting castings up Keep putting up casting breakdowns That they're now looking for this role They're now looking for this role And every time I'm like Oh hey guys I know I don't have a TV and film agent But I, I actually bang Like I'm actually big in the game I'm actually sick at acting Look at my CV Like holler at man Nothing I get air I get air So do you, it's just wonderful To not even have to do anything Like Kevin had already showed them my videos And they were like Yeah we want you to be in this commercial I just thought, come and look at life. Come and look how simple life can be when people who have the ability to do so hook you up. And this is a re another reason why I'll shout out Michelle because Michelle was someone who got me into that Channel 4 suffragettes, 100 years of women's votes, um, little ident on Channel 4. Michelle hooked me up with that because again, she's in advertising, she's in marketing and she was like, oh, holler at Kelechi. All of you people are so fucking wonderful and I can't be... I just... God hears me all of the time I know that because I can see the impact of it in my life So I just put it out to God that all of the ways in which all of you have helped me But you think you're like you're doing it because yeah, you just like me You just think I'm, you know, I'm out here and we vibe But honestly, what you're doing 
is incredible. And as I will find a way, God will make a way, but I too can pay you back for the things that you've done for me. And I too can be as useful for you as as you have been for me and even if i can't directly be like god should just bless all of you abundantly because you're doing literally big things so that's why i mentioned i ended up being in a commercial while i was doing the week-long residency at the bfi and that's because of kevin and a massive brand and i just get to be me and i just get to do my own thing and they were like just dance and wear this product and do this and do that and and so I knew that because he re- also because Kevin um, recommended it for and um, recommended me for it, I had to show up and I had to show out and I had to make him look great as well for what he'd done for me. Um, and so I did. I, I gave I gave it to them when I was dancing. I I gave it to them. Ah, come and see, baby girl. Come and see bits and bobs. Ah, when I. Dr- I dropped into the splits three times for them. I said, take that, show them, give it to them. Yes, that's how it was. And Kevin was just like, my G. So um, that's been really wonderful. And if you have been on my Instagram, you would have seen that I had some really cool pictures done. One of them, I look like a little bird of paradise. I feel like if I was a bird of paradise, I'd be one that goes around giving out straws. I'd be like, cock straw, cock straw straw i'll just be handing out straws i'd be a beautiful bird of straw giving paradise take that for your mother dickhead that's what i'd be that's how i'd be giving out straws it would be wonderful so that wonderful makeup was done by giselle ali also known as um make uh, giselle makeup i'll give you her link She's a celebrity makeup artist. Like literally she's a celebrity makeup artist because she does makeup for celebrities and her makeup is worthy of everything. Like she's amazing. She's so creative. Like she's literally an artist. Like some people call themselves makeup artists and they can't, that's too rude. I'm not doing it. But just when the artist at the end of her title, she lives up to it. Like she's fucking amazing. She is incredible. Even when we're doing all of this amazing, like really elaborate makeup, I felt so beautiful. Sometimes when um, I've had makeup done and we're doing particular looks, I just feel like I look awkward. I don't really like it. So I, but I've just got to like work it and do as much as I can with it. But she really brought out my essence. And I really liked that when I sat down, there was a piece of paper that was up on the mirror and it said Kelechi and she sketched my face and she put strong this, that all of the words that came to her mind when she thought of me. And then the biggest one was Pepe. So she was like, we'll be working with um, peppers and chili because when I think of you, I think Pepe. Ah, give it to them So she really, really understood my essence And I really love that So those are all of my magnificent people for this week So I just say Two slaps on your chest to all of you All of you are doing amazing things I thank you so much for seeing me And just letting me be my baby girl self Letting me live my baby girl life And I pray, I pray, I pray That everything, your true heart's desires That will take you to your highest in this life and your happiest in this life is what you are blessed with because you're just amazing to me you're just amazing to me yeah i think it's funny when people put their and their finger over their ear when they're singing and they're not actually hitting the notes i'm just like what are you blocking out what are you blocking out are you blocking out god screaming at you like that ain't it 
That ain't it, sis. That's what God's telling you. Anyway, back to front things because you know how I roll sometimes. Let's do the tarot before we move on because we've already done Share Your Magnificence. So the tarot for this week is the midwife. The midwife is the one that came up from the Black Angel uh, Black Angel cards. And I'm going to tell you um, what the midwife says. So we've got a woman that's looking like she's kind of like in an MC Hammer pose, but she's not really. I think it's just that position that you assume when you want the baby, you want gravity to help you deliver the baby. So the midwife is the one that came up for this week. And I'll tell you what it says. The midwife, you are the witness to creation on your waking path birthing on your sleeping path paralysis and fear you are always present at the birthing of something created pardon me your welcoming energy has um, as a midwife makes you makes the rough arrival of ideas projects and life itself more bearable you have the wisdom courage and caring nature needed during birthing times and your loving attention is important in easing fear your close relationship with fear also makes you close to life and death because they can be the things we fear most. You help us through our fear of moving forward with life. As midwife, you are the passage for bringing someone or something from one world to the next or bringing life or projects from seed to creation or manifestation. As midwife, you are called on to help bring forth our creations, being part of our rites of passage, initiations, transitions from birth to life and sometimes life to death. You are invited to join. You are well connected to what you um, what you help birth, and this connection can last for generations, assisting with the pres um, um, preservation of lineage, community, projects, organizations, and kinship. Your waking path is evident when you see newness or freshness around you in the form of thoughts, things, or people. As healer in the community, you carry us through to face what we need to face in the healing. You rally for us, whispering in our ear, keep going, continue the path no matter what. When it appears as though we will not make it, that nothing seems to be changing in our lives, you midwife will come again to encourage the bringing forth of our creations. Your support as midwife is vital to our wellness and to sustaining the path of life. You help us from turning around and running away too soon. You are present with us until the work is done. The birthing process is a sacred ceremony and you are there. Historically, special women were available to ensure the continued creation of children, birthing rituals and birth sanctuary. An incarnation of midwives in our lives helps us through our fear of moving forward with life. Since midwives are around when there is fear, people tend to expect more from you than you can give. You may find yourself trying to give more than you have. This situation could lead to you feeling unappreciated for what you give and others feeling shortchanged by your inability to ease them of their misery. The sleeping path may emerge at this point. On the sleeping path, you too can be paralyzed by the fear of creation. In this fear, you might not feel capable. You might latch on to some notion that you are really unskilled in the birthing process, that you can't help others. You might be fearful of the thought that you too have the ability to be a creator, not just someone who helps others create. This paralyzing fear then closes off your life and possibilities in your mind. 
As a midwife, you might want to embrace the fear as evidence of gifts coming into your life. These are gifts you ask for. Bringing forth others' creations is fine as long as you are aware of your own gifts. Knowing, um, Know that birthing or creating is tightly woven together with fear. In your, help, um, in your healing step, fully um, in your healing step fully into the fear and wait for the gifts that are bound so that's wonderful I love that midwife one because I know that there are people who have been in my life um and they've been there to help me through a, po- um, a process of creating something and growing into a particular person I definitely off the top of my head I can actually see midwives I can see them in my head so um that that matters it really does matter you don't want to the bit that sticks out to me is that i don't want to just keep helping other people to create i don't want to be the one that helps other people to realize who they are while i'm here not creating and doing what i want to be doing um i feel like we all have roles in life and i think that that's part of it i think that not to be resentful of having that role is a major key like when you are resentful of it then you can't really help others create you become antagonistic to their process and then you do truly become paralyzed that is part of your gift that is part of you creating by being the force that helps other people to birth something um but then yeah it is true at the same time people you give them an inch they'll take a mile people will just never be satisfied because they want you there for all of the things and you can't be there for all of the things now the card i pulled from the rider weight deck this week was the five of cups so i'm sure you're aware that we've seen the five of cups many times before it keeps coming up So I just have to ask you, whoever you are, because I always pull these cards and I always ask for it to be a message that can speak to us as a collective. So I'm asking you, wherever you are, when you're listening to this, why don't you want to let go? Why do you want to remain disappointed? Why? I know, I know it hurt and I know the thing was terrible and I just know that it broke your heart. But please, fam, because this isn't a case of sis or bro, fam, let it be like feel all of the things but at the moment you're not feeling all of the things instead what you're doing is you're focusing just on the pain of it all this is disappointment um disappointment of it all and the reason i say this is because if you don't know the image of the five of cups the five of cups there's a figure wearing a dark cloak a cloak of depression and they're staring at three cups that have fallen while behind them there are two cups that still remain standing in the distance actually there's also a bridge and there's water so there is a chance there is a chance of moving forward from this situation moving over this situation and going home because it looks like home is in the distance there is a chance but you're choosing to stay away from that thing that will actually bring you comfort you're choosing to ignore the two of cups that are behind you this is your wake-up call if you are looking for a wake-up call stop fucking wallowing don't stop it stop here because this card keeps coming up and it'll keep coming up as long as you keep listening to this fucking podcast because you don't want to wake the fuck up and i'm saying that in the most loving way possible it hurt 
You're fucking talking to me. I know. Like, I'm, the same way I'm telling you that these cards drag us all, it drags me. So I'm saying this from a very, very real place in that the disappointment and the regret that we feel because of the loss that we've, um, you know, encountered, it's valid. They are all valid feelings. But is this where you want to come and sit down? Is this the fucking hill that you want to die on? No, you don't. They say that there's no use crying over spilt, spilt milk. But sometimes cry in it. But when you've cried, come on. Because there are so many opportunities waiting for you. There is so much, there's so much more depth. There's, so, there's still so much that you have to give to yourself and, and to this life. Life is beautiful because it's just a reflection of God looking back on itself or looking onto itself. You are a, a reflection of the most beautiful things in this life, yet you are focusing on the disappointments. But the thing is, the, the disappointment has happened. It has happened. Yeah. And we have to move forward from here somehow. And I need you to start thinking of your somehow. How do you move forward? Because you're fixating on this. You're actually fixating on this, which means you're turning your back from the work that you should be doing that will bring you the success that you so desire. And the reason I say that is because the card that came up next or that was at the bottom of the deck was the eight of pentacles. The eight of pentacles. You see a figure sitting down hard at work. He's already created six pentacles he's working on the seventh well he's created seven pentacles and he's working on the eighth so you're almost there like you've got the work you've you've been doing bits you've got all of this ready um and i'll talk about that more um underneath we've got the star card so that's the one that we're going to discuss in the extra content if you want to listen to the extra content it's on patreon.com forward slash kelechi okafor so um yeah you're fixating on the wrong things. You've got all of the passion and you've got all of the diligence to get the work done, but you are focusing on a specific disappointment and you refuse to move on. The reason I feel like this card is important is because when um, I was shuffling the cards, um, I was shuffling the deck, getting ready for the reading today, th this fell out, the, the five of cups fell out. And I said, nah, I'm not doing that because we've already done that this week, um, in the weeks previously. This card has come up more than once, more than twice. So I said, I'm not doing that. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not reading that card this week. I'm just not doing it. So I put it back in the deck, started shuffling again, and it flew out. And it flew out like, bitch, I already, I, I said what I said. So that tells me that it's an important message that some of you are just ignoring. Like you really, really don't want to acknowledge the fact that you need to deal with this thing. And you do. You need to feel the emotion. Stop blocking yourself away from it. And also the eight of pentacles could signify that actually what some of you are doing is you're avoiding feeling the disappointment and the loss by putting all of your focus on work. Drag me, why don't you? You're putting all of your focus on work and focusing on the minutiae. You, you're focusing on the minute details and stressing over them because you feel like that's an easier thing to do than to actually face the disappointment and face all of the, the feelings of loss and grief that you need to feel. You don't want to feel them. So you're doing all of this. Focusing on work in a healthy way is great because it's healthy, but this isn't healthy. So please fix up, look sharp is the message for this week. And if this card fucking comes up next week, we're going to have problems. I'm going to actually ask whoever it is out of you lot that keeps making it come up. I'm going to ask you to drop your location because we're going to need to have a chat. So 
That's the card. And in the extra content, we'll be discussing the star card, which is the one that's here after all of the destruction. There is the star card, which is a major arcana. At the moment, we've been dealing with minor arcanas, which is like the day-to-day feelings or the things that are happening in life. Yeah, happening in life on the day-to-day energy. The star card is talking about more um, life, overarching life energies. And we'll discuss that later on. So... Yeah, that's that. Anyway, moving on to So You Mad. So You Mad this week um, has had a definite theme. The theme of swimming pools. Swimming pools, black people and white people. Swimming pools, black people wanting to swim in the pool, white people not wanting them to swim in uh, in the pool. I've always had an issue. I've always felt very uncomfortable and extremely angry when I've seen, you know, white people calling police on black children or black people because they're at a swimming pool. I say that because it's historically significant. Like, white people have never wanted us to be in the same pools as them because of segregation, therefore because of racism. And recently we've had some incidents happen in the past few weeks that have spoken a lot about this happening. So um, last week, I think a couple of weeks ago, a black woman, um, she lives in kind of like, you know, the suburbs, these kind of gated communities, I think. Um, She lives there and she wanted to use the pool because in their gated community, they have a, a pool. She wanted to, while she was there, she was in the pool having a great time or whatever, or heading to the pool or whatever. And a white man rolls up who also lives there, I imagine. And he's like, oh, um, you can't be here. Well, I can because I've got the homeowner's ID card. That That's the only way I could get into the pool area if I have this ID card and I've clearly got it. So I, des- I, I can be here, whether it's because someone I know lives here or because I fucking live here. I can use the pool. The guy was not satisfied. He called the police. White people and calling the police. We've already talked about this, so I'm not going to keep hammering on about it. Instead, I'd rather talk about the historical significance of why of, of black um, of black people having the police call them on them or being um, disallowed access to public swimming pools or swimming pools that white people also have access to because it's actually getting rather mad. And this is why I say that um, racism in some respects is so deeply ingrained in people. Like it's actually part of their, it's like the part of their blood, it flows in their bloodstream. So they don't see an issue with it. So there was an article that was written um, and it says here, Three racially charged confrontations have occurred at swimming pools already this summer. On June 24th, a white woman named Stephanie Sebi Strempel, what a horrible name, is such a is such a very racist name. SSS, KKK. Anyway, now known as Pool um, Pool Patrol Paula. <laughs> Um, on the internet, physically assaulted a 15-year-old black boy at a private community pool in Somerville, South Carolina, claiming he and his friends didn't belong there, then exclaiming, get out, little punks. Then on the 4th of July, a white man named Adam Bloom singled out the only black family at a crowded community pool in Winston-Salem, North Carolina, and demanded to see the mother's identification, even though she had used a resident key card to enter the facility, and no one else at the pool had been asked to show ID. When she refused, Bloom called the police. 
That same day, 555 miles away in Memphis, Tennessee, the manager of a large apartment complex engaged in a similar act of racial profiling. Even though several other people were wearing prohibited clothing at the pool area, Erica Walker only confronted a lone group of African-Americans. She reprimanded 25-year-old Kevin Yates for dipping his sock-clad feet in the water and eventually demanded that he and his party leave the pool. When they refused, she too called the police. These incidents exemplify a strand of white privilege that has flourished in the past couple of years. White feeling emboldened to confront black and brown skinned people for assumed transgressions and then summon the power of the state to punish them. That's basically it. The vim that white people now have to rock up to you and be like, oh, babe, you can't be here. This isn't for you. Why isn't it for me? Because it's surely for you. So it's also for me. No, 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 no. Because the color of your skin, you can't be here. Go away, go away. I'm not going any motherfucking place because I can be here too. Oh, well, in that case, I'm going to call the police because I don't want you to be here. And the police obviously are historically set up to protect me and not you. So I know this subconsciously and consciously. So I will now utilize this power. That's all I ever hear. That's all I see. That's all I, that's all I get from it. Um... Here it also said, for nearly a century, blacks and whites have mostly swum separately from one another. And just as with residential segregation, several um, separate pools, um, several separate pool use persists today as an ongoing legacy of past discrimination. So swimming pool segregation became pervasive in the United States during the 1920s and 1930s when cities across the country opened thousands of new public pools and began permitting males and females to use them together. Gender integration was the direct cause of racial segregation. Most white people did not want black men interacting with white and white women um, at such intimate public spaces. Whites at the time also objected to swimming with black people because they perceived them as um, dirty and likely to be infected with communicable diseases. I always find that thing funny. I always find that thing funny of white people saying black people are dirty when these times it's the black people that you hire to look after your children, to raise your children, to breastfeed your children. So I'm not dirty when I'm serving you. I'm dirty when I'm trying to live my life as a fellow human being. Isn't that wild? Isn't that wild? Because upon all of the dirtiness, you motherfuckers still wanted the black people as slaves for over 400 years, over 400 years. But all of a sudden, when it's time to swim in the swimming pool, it's like, ah, now I don't want these niggers in the water. Well, we didn't want to get in the water either, but that's how we ended up in this country, isn't it? Because, I mean, you know, in terms of America and the Caribbean and, you know, Brazil, I mean, how did they get there? Because you wanted them in the water, on the water to travel and they traveled and now they want to get in the water with you. Suddenly you're moving mad. Wow. That's very interesting. That's extremely interesting. So um, I'm just moving on from here. Oh, this was the one. Um, so enforcement differed from region to region. In the south and border state cities such as St. Louis and um, Baltimore, public officials mandated racial segregation, explicitly prohibiting identifiably black people from entering pools earmarked for white people. In northern and western cities, white swimmers and um, white swimmers typically impose racial segregation through violence and intimidation. 
At Pittsburgh's Highland Park pool, for example, white swimmers brazenly attacked black swimmers who attempted to enter the pool when it was first opened in 1931, sometimes using rocks and clubs as weapons. The sustained violence quickly established the large pool as a white-only public space. This is what gets me when um, white people talk about, oh my God, racism makes me so sad. If I had been alive in those times, I wouldn't have. Shut the fuck up. Shut the fuck up, you prick. Because you're right now, you're alive in these times and you're doing fuck all to help in these times. But you now want to be doing six of cups and reminiscing about times and romanticizing times that you weren't fucking part of. Do something now. Do something now. But you won't because it's a lie. You would rather imagine that you would have done something then because racism was so bad. Racism is terrible now. Do something right now, but you won't. You won't because you're comfortable and you don't want your privileges to be taken away from you. You don't actually want to share anything. You just want to pretend and keep opening your thin lips to pretend that you want to do something and make a change. You don't. So anyway, um... Public swimming pools were racially desegregated during the 20 years after the um, World War II, but that did not mean blacks and whites um, started swimming together. Southern cities generally shut down their public pools rather than allow mixed race swimming. Further north, most whites abandoned public swimming pools rather than swim with black people. When a um, federal judge forced St. Louis um, to desegregate its public pools in 1951, white attendance at the pools now accessible to black um, swimmers plummeted by more than 95%. The same was true elsewhere. So basically what happened is, in case you don't know, if I'm preaching to the choir, just ignore me. But what happened is because... um, they were legally forced to let black people swim in and, um, you know, non-white people swim in these pools. White people were like, I'm not swimming with those niggers. So what they did was most of them moved out to the suburbs or if they, yeah, they moved out to the suburbs and within the suburbs, they pulled their money together to have swimming pools built in that area that only they would have access to as a community because then that way, their spending was going on their pools, not going on the community pools. And so oftentimes what you find is that the community pools ended up in disarray. But they were looking after their own pools and therefore they would swim there and they would leave the black people if they wanted to, to swim in the public pools that had, you know, that everyone had access to. Now that black people are moving into your areas, you're mad. But it's funny because now your children want to move into these areas that were seen as poor and horrid. And now they're using their money to fix these public pools because, oh my God, why is this community like this? I want to live here because I love the vibrance and I love the vibe. Basically, they're gentrifying the fuck out of these areas. But actually, with that gentrification, obviously comes money. So all of these pools are being fixed, but they still don't want to share these pools in these areas that they're now gentrifying. They still don't want to share even those pools with black people. So... Where can black people swim? Because now all of you will open your mouths and go, oh my God, you can't swim. Well, first of all, slavery. Second of all, shut your fucking mouth because where were were the spaces for them to be able to swim in the first place? Where? Because your mum and dad don't want these lots to swim with them. So they've moved out of the area and they're getting their money together so they can swim in their private pools in their certain, you know, in suburbia. 
Now your mates You yourself You've now moved Into this area Gentrifying the fuck out of it You want the public pools To be fixed up But still You don't feel comfortable about um, Around black people And you don't want black people To come into this pool either So you tell me Sally You tell me Where you think That people should swim Go on Beth Tell me where people Should be swimming Because I really Really want to know Pixie Tell me Where we should be swimming so as something This is what I say like When people say to me I've never experienced racism I'm just like No you just haven't been paying attention That's that's honestly it No, no tea no shade You haven't been paying attention Because the racism is there Right in front of you And it shows in things like Funding for public swimming pools It shows in shit like that And it might seem like Ra I'm talking just about America But fuck that shit I'm talking about I'm talking about England as well. I'm talking about Britain as well. Because not, lo- not a lot of money is going into fixing Peck and Pulse um, Leisure Centre. And that's where I go swimming. But watch when the when the white people have fully, fully moved into Peckham. You know when they've gotten comfortable and really stretched their leg and they've put yoga studios on every corner and Whole Foods has now arrived. Watch how banging Peckham Pe- um, Leisure Centre is going to be as a swimming pool. Watch. Watch how they're going to do it the fuck up once white people fully, fully arrive in that area. Or what they'll do is that they'll go and do something else further afield so they don't have to use that one. It's all power dynamics. It's all a power play. And it sickens me because everyone should have access to swimming. Swimming is a fucking life skill. And I'm learning it now, like being a stronger swimmer in that. And I look at the facilities at Peckham Leisure Centre and I think mad. Because although we have lots of white people there already... When they fully, fully arrive, when I say when they have arrived with all of their chests, watch how Peckham Leisure Centre is going to change properly and suddenly all of the pools will be fancy. And then suddenly Millicent and Kathy and Linda are going to get upset when they see little black kids running around and wanting to use the pool with them. So it's all mad. It's all mad. Why is this important? I'm getting to it. Um, For me, it's more about the, the violence that's inflicted um, the historical violence that's inflicted when um, black people have tried to use pools. Um, wait, let me find it for you. So here it is. Motel, this was in 1964. Motel manager, there's a picture, a very famous picture of it when um, Martin Luther King Jr., Martin Luther King as we know him, Dr. Martin, Martin Luther King, um, they would do sit-ins and 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 peaceful protests. So one of the um, um, peaceful protests was like a, a swimming. So they got into one of the de- um, in, into one of the segregated pools. The black people got in and refused to come out. So the motel manager went in and started pouring acid in the water while the black people were in there. Um, and all, there were some white people there with them as well who were um, also part of the pre- um, peaceful protest. Those were what you call allies, true allies, not the ones that you guys are bigging up these days because I don't like them. Anyway, um, it's a very famous image. Like you can go and look it up. But I just, it, it, for me, it's the way that one of his hands is away from the body and he's proper sprinkling the acid in the water. The acid didn't do anything to the people in the pool. I'd like to stress that. But it's the fact of the matter that he wanted it to have done something to them. He wanted the acid to burn them in that water because he didn't want them at his motel and he didn't want them in that pool. You can't tell me anything about the evil that is so inherent in in whiteness generally. And that's what I'll say. I'll even go all of the way and say that. Because to want to do that to people, why? Why? 
Why would you go to such an extent? If I saw someone in my swimming pool that wasn't meant to be there, like literally my swimming pool and they weren't meant to be there, I would rather, like they love to do, call the police. I wouldn't pour acid in the pool. Like you have to be very, very sick to go to that extent. Very, very evil. So anyway... Um, this famous photograph by Horace Court shows a group of white and black integrationists in the former Monson Motor Lodge swimming pool in June 18, 1964. The photo was con um, connected to the St. Augustine movement named for the town in Florida where it took place. Lots of peaceful protests and demonstrations were responded to with violence, which led to more and more complicated protests. On June 11th, 1964, Martin Luther King Jr. was arrested for trespassing at the Monson Motor Lodge after being asked to leave from its segregated restaurant. This and other things helped spur a group of protesters, black and white, to jump into the pool as a strategically planned event to end segregation at motel pools. The pool at this motel was designated white only. Whites who paid for the motel room invited black people to join them in a motel pool as their guests. This swimming was planned by Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. and two associates. The pool manager, Jimmy Brock, in an effort to break up the party, poured a bottle of muriatic acid into the pool, hoping the swimmers would become scared and leave. One swimmer who knew that the ratio of acid to pool water was so great that the acid was no longer a threat, um, a threat uh, drank some of the pool water to calm some of the other swimmers' fears. Protesting. In the extra content, I'm going to talk about protests. I'm going to talk about the Trump protests that are taking, uh, taking place in central London at the moment. And why, for me, I don't feel like as a black person, I need to necessarily put my physical body out to protest. Sometimes, for me, this podcast is a protest. This is a weekly protest, letting you know that I'm here and I'm not taking no motherfucking shit. And I said what I said, so fuck you. Every day that I'm living is a fucking protest. Every day that I dare to be excellent in this society that, that does not want me to be excellent as a black woman, that's a fucking protest. But me putting my physical body out there to protest, I'm not always with that. Why? Because so many things are happening. First of all, I'm surrounded by white people that want to keep skinning tea at me. Like, look, I'm a good white. I'm out here protesting. See, I'm good. I'm not giving you a cookie for doing what you should be doing anyway. You're less likely to get harmed. I'm more likely to get harmed. So you should be out here in these streets protesting. But I just think it's interesting the things that you go out to protest for. So I'm going to talk about that Trump business later. But I just want you to see historically, and I, I'm annoyed slightly that I am focusing a lot on what's happening in America because there have been so many protests in this country where black people have put themselves in harm's way in order for change to be made. Like physical physical harm's way in order for, pro to, um, for, for, for change to be made and for progress to be made. So to me, that's protesting. That, that like... If that acid was able to do harm, these people would have had their skin burnt off. Yet they still put themselves in that situation, in that position, in order to, to change the narrative and to change the conversation in America at the time. So these fucking stupid, idiotic, racist white people could understand that black people were wholly human, not three fifths, not none of that. They were wholly human and deserved to be in the exact same places that everyone else was in. It wasn't just in America. And I think that that needs to be clear because of the things that I'm going to talk about in the extra content regarding Trump and these protests. Over here, they were saying no blacks, no dogs, no Irish. That was put up everywhere. 
that was put up everywhere after you told people to come from the Caribbean to come and help you build your fucking country, rebuild it after the Second World War. You're now putting up no blacks, no dogs, no Irish. Fuck you. Fuck you. Like, it's it's terrible. It's just terrible how you want to take with one hand and keep beating someone down with the other. Like, it's wild. So... What I'm really trying to say is, I guess, in this long-winded way, when black people are at swimming pools, it's a protest in itself because they dare to be recreationally free. White people don't like that and they can't place why they don't like it. And I feel like the same way that we talk about intergenerational trauma, I feel like there's intergenerational hatred. And they just feel like, no, you can't be where I am because this is not for you. This is just for me. So I implore as many people, as many black people as there are, wherever you might be listening to this, to find a pool and just be there. Just be there because you deserve to be there. You deserve to be in all the places that you've told you that you shouldn't be in because you're seen as lesser than. Go and be there because people have literally fought for you to be in these spaces. Enjoy it. Enjoy it. Stretch your leg well, well. Stretch your leg well, well and enjoy all of the vicinities because, because you deserve to be there too. So that's my bit for So You Mad for this week. Obviously, the madness is intergenerational. So moving on from that, um, straw of the week. Wow. Straw of the week goes to um, Justin McClure, I think is his name. He's the dad of the McClure twins. So I know that some people have this fetish with mixed race children. I don't understand you guys. And I think that you've got issues and you really need to see, like seek psychological help. Um, Justin McClure, it's the dad to the McClure twins And they are very famous twins um, They're famous for being mixed race As far as I'm concerned They're not famous for anything else They don't do anything special They don't do anything that any other child isn't doing But because some people are so fucking sick And literally obsessed with mixed race children Because of their inherent anti-blackness or racism um, They love these girls um, And so they, they make lots of money for their black mum And their white dad Anyway, this week it was discovered that um, the Twitter account that um, is now known as the McClure Twins Twitter account or the family account or the McClure family or whatever, that Twitter account used to belong to their dad. And in 2011, when he thought he could be a comedian, unfortunately for him, he's not fucking funny. Um, he put up some very racist things about black people. I'm not shocked though, because I've already told you guys from day I don't fucking like interracial YouTube couples. I dislike them. I despise them because I feel like they are helping to like perpetuate a narrative about interracial dating being sort of the, the, the cure to racism. No, it fucking isn't. It is not. Interracial dating is fucking exhausting and it's fucking hard. People fetishize people, you know, and I've dated numerous people, not just white people, non-black, I'm sorry, non-white, how would I face it? Other people of color is the best way to put it. Men of color move mad. They also move mad too. But I would be more interested in talking about those dynamics than to continue talking about the dynamics of white, black, interracial relationships, blah, blah, blah. Like, 
I think that in anything there is nuance anyway And we need to address the nuance Before just thinking that everything is just this or it's that But a lot of fetishization takes place in interracial dating And people don't want to admit it Instead they'll jump online And they'll jump on their YouTube channel And they'll be like uh, We just love each other I honestly, David I don't look at your skin when I look at you I just love you Yes, myself and Adana We don't look at colour We just love each other We just love each other so much I don't even know if that day's, that's David's fucking accent Because I can't stand him either And the reason I can't stand David And I think I've mentioned this on the show before David made a YouTube video That said uh, the problem with dating black women And he started it off by saying Adana and I don't focus on colour because we don't see each other like that. We just love each other and we don't focus on those sort of things. Those <laughs> those sorts of things. Like the, the, the person's entire fucking race. Like they navigate the world as a black person. What do you mean you don't focus on those things? But I also hear that she's rather well off. So maybe she's been insulated from the things that the average black woman would have to face. But um, it's just very, very interesting to me that there's this kind of utopia that they sell to people And it's basically the crux of all of the money that they've made That, oh, interracial dating is so aspirational and it's so wonderful Because look at us here, just thriving And so, no, to me it's just dumb and I I feel like there's no substance in anything that they do We just live in a voyeuristic society Where people think it's really, really interesting To watch them do the mundane shit Just because they're a, um, a black woman and a white man together Woo, woo, woo It's just, it's really fucked up to me And so when people are like Oh, you don't post things much of your partner No, because I'm not going to I'm not going to, to, to encourage That insatiable appetite you have for for something so weird Like why are you so interested In other people's relationships One And two Why are you so interested in it Because they are of a different race Like obviously I know why But I'm just not going to encourage it Because I'm going to stress to you That it's My relationship is none of your business And two the dynamics that I'm working through in my relationship is not something that I need to come and put out on, on front street for you all to come and enjoy it. I just think that that's a bit, it's just wild. It's just fucking weird. It's really, really weird. Anyway, back to Justin. So anyway, Justin, um, he says, I'm trying to get all the bits that he put up. He had a, he even had a blog, um, a blog post. Um, so he used to be, He's a, the official Twitter page for the twins used to be his main page on, you know, on the socials. And this is one of the things that he said. Black people can't say ask, but they can they have no trouble saying Cadillac Escalade. I'm more bothered by the fact that he can talk about he can criticize black people not being able to say ask because I know that some black people say axe axe or something. Whatever. Anyway, he goes, black people can't um can't um can't say ask, but they have no trouble saying Cadillac Escalade. But he spelled trouble wrong. So you want to make fun of people, but you yourself you can't spell. Look at your life with no hair on your head, looking like a fucking egg. Shut your mouth, prick. I think it's funny because to me he's also he's always looked like a racist. I think I know it's really really weird to say, but whenever I look at him, it's those eyes of his. To me, he just looks like an out and out racist. I've never watched any of their videos. I don't intend to. Um. But I've heard that 
even then people find him rather odd. So yeah. Um he says, then he's got another tweet that says, Black women I know, they're called chandelier, lasagna, constellation walgreens. White guys are typically more cautious, laid back, and considerate of women. White guys might see a hot black girl at a bar or something, but talk themselves out of approaching because Anderson Cooper comes on in 30 minutes. They have to get home. Black and Spanish men lifting weights on the corner don't even know who Anderson Cooper is, but they hope he buys their new mixtape. In New York City, I've seen black and Spanish men sing to women on the street. Saw a black man with bags of groceries chase a woman down many blocks. He had ice cream too. And one time I saw a Spanish guy jump the subway tracks to get to the other side in effort to talk to a girl. When he got there, the girl wasn't interested. He came back across the tracks and waited for his train like nothing had ever happened. Kid you not. Black women have never been opposed to dating white men for the most part. So when they get an email from a cute chalky boy, they are like, wow, he's cute. I'll definitely go out with him. But on the street, that would never happen because the white guy would be too busy thinking about TED Talks or buying books off Amazon to know Notice the sister. White guys don't make the moves in person. So Caucasian guys, um, if you want to date a black girl or, or a curvy Spanish chick, get online, send some emails, talk about how you love pinatas or and fubu, whatever it takes. So uh, from Justin's perspective, I guess all that black women like um, is fubu and all Spanish women like are pinatas. But his head looks like a pinata. So any Spanish woman who's nearby, can you just knock it in, please? Like just knock his head in. I hate white men like this. I hate them so much with all of my heart because they try to reduce everything down to black women are this, white men are this. Notice how he talks as if as a white man, he's above black and Spanish men. No, the fuck you are not. Behave your fucking self, you stupid, stupid person. Like you vile, vile fucking prick. That's why my straw of the week goes out to him because there are so many white men like him who are rolling out here in these streets talking about, oh, black men are this. Black men do this. Black men are... Shut your fucking mouth about black men. Keep black men, keep their name out of your fucking mouth and focus on yourself. Focus on what you're doing, yeah? Focus on you and focus on why you feel so inadequate that every time you need to compare yourself to black men, shut your mouth. A, a black woman chose you. Whoop-de-doo. Your life will be better for it. Well done. Well done. Level up, level up. All right, cool. Focus on that. Don't worry about what black men and what Spanish men are doing. Shut your fucking mouth. How about that? So take a straw, Mr. McClure, and go and use it to suck your mother. That's what you should do because you're a useless human being who likes to make very, very wild sweeping statements that nobody asked you about. Because you like TED Talks and you like ordering shit on Amazon, that makes you better than a, and then a black guy. No, definitely not. And I feel like even how he wrote that, that those um, that advice for white men who want to date black women, it just sounds a bit predatory. Like, oh, just email them and just talk about things that you think that they like. What about if it's a black woman that doesn't like FUBU? What, if, what about if it's a Spanish woman that doesn't like piñatas? What are you talking about? What are you talking about? Because you have no interest in these things, but you're going to pretend to like these things in the hope that it'll get you some, some, some exotic pussy. Go and die. That's mean. That's really mean. But honestly, like, I just hate it so much. I hate when white men or any man for that matter, tries to reduce black women down to just this, 
just this thing. Suck your mum, Justin. Just suck your mum. And obviously, the black woman isn't off the hook. The woman who married him, I think, I thought, what's her name? Annie something. Whatever her name is. All of you black women that keep encouraging white men to say wild things online because they're your partners, you're useless and you are the weakest link. And you should, you, I wish that somehow your money stops, like your money that you're making from this, this avenue stream. I hope that this stream runs dry because it's, that's the only way that you're going to learn how problematic you're actually being for us as a whole. Adana let David leave that video up and that's wild to me. David made that video, problems when dating a black woman. And this motherfucker just listed problems that you'd have with any woman. But the one that bothered me the most was he was like, when she has her natural hair, she's like fiery and she's like, Grrr! but when she has like her long weaves and it's elegant, she's more like calm and demure. He basically said that she's an animal when she has her own natural hair and she left that video up. Like, sis, your man is embarrassing you on the internet every day. Sort it the fuck out. As for Justin McClure and his wife, and again, sis, you're married to a white man that would say all of this shit about black men. If someone would talk shit about black people, whether they're talking about black women, which he also did, but if they're talking about for me, I can't be with someone who chats shit about black men Because to me, it's not separate My existence is in inextricably linked to the existence of black men So if you chat shit about black men, you're chatting shit about me And therefore we have a problem So don't chat to me anymore Yet somehow you guys have managed to rationalise it in your head That, oh, he's not talking about me, so it's okay No, he's disrespecting you every day, sis And he's going to teach your children very, very bad things He's going to teach them to look down on their blackness And you are part of that blackness that they're going to look down on so until you fix the fuck up, you're going to continue to have problems and they're going to continue to show their ass out here every day. The reason that Justin is my straw of the week and not David as well is because Justin then jumped online and he wrote um, this tweet on the July, July 9th. He wrote, um, the cringe tweet existed on our timeline because I, Justin, converted a comedy page to our family page Unaware of the old 2011 tweets It's well documented how I used to stand up for attention And um, how I used to stand up for attention And to say irreverent things Thank goodness I grew up, lol Anyway, so anyhow, moving on That tells me that he's still a raging racist I don't know if you heard what I heard in that tweet but he's still a raging racist For him to not see the gravity of the things that he's tweeted And for him to be like, well, I was just doing comedy Anyway, moving on What do you mean um, you had no clue about the 2011 tweets? Were you not the one who tweeted them? Was it not you? Also, big man, you had your children in 2012 Wait, yeah I think he had the kids in 2012, let me just check Oh no Oh, oh, perfect one of the tweets he wrote, he said, and this was in September 2014, he said, mark my word, one day a black woman will name a child allergies. My allergies been acting up lately, damn. He wrote that in 2014, but in his um, apology tweet That wasn't a fucking apology He said about his 2011 tweets No, no, you were still writing your racist tweets All the way up to 2014 So someone wrote to him 
um, Big Up H-Town Disaster, she wrote, but see, your kids were already born by this tweet. So you had not met them. Um, so you ha had you not met their mother yet, or um, had you not met their mother yet, or did you have to talk to her about, talk her out of naming them your children allergies or how exactly did that work? Because now you know a black woman, she didn't name your children allergies. She named them Ava and whatever else. So why would you think that a black woman will name her child allergies? Why is it that you man want to use black women as the butt of all of your jokes? Like black women aren't smart when actually black women have more degrees collectively than anybody else, than any other demographic. But I'm, and they're the fastest growing... I need to find the stats. But basically, black women are literally out here in these streets get, grabbing everything, grabbing every fucking certificate out there. But whenever it's time for you to tell a joke, it's, oh, black women are so stupid. They're so dumb. This is why I don't like Marlon. Marlon, the TV show, although I've watched every fucking episode, every episode, I've got something to say about it because I don't like the way that the... Um, the wife's best friend is portrayed she's portrayed to be this dumb ghetto ghetto woman and it just doesn't make sense because the way that she dresses as a character and the things she says shows that she's rather intelligent but you need to put you need to make sure that darker skinned women are, are the butt of everybody and um, everybody else's jokes and it's just not gonna wash with me it sucks so Oh, I wrote those tweets in 2011 when I used to use this page for my stand-up. So anyhow, let's move on. No, but then you wrote this allergy tweet in 2014. You had the kids, I think, in 2012. So none of that makes sense. So you're a liar. So you're still a raging racist. Also, because you couldn't bring yourself to say sorry and you couldn't bring yourself to see how damaging this is. And yet the mum is still there supporting him because why? She's trying to get her coins. She'd rather get coins than get some dignity. So this is why ultimately I can't stand interracial YouTube couples. I can't stand interracial couples that make it out like, oh, the world has the problem. We're fine. Everything's great. Let's get our money. It's all good. Forget it all. Um, race doesn't matter. We don't see color. Okay, you don't see color, but can you now see that the color green that you like so much in your dollar bills, you're going to see less of it if your, if your husband continues being a racist. You, you eventually see less of it. And this is why more of you need to stop fucking idolizing and fetishizing all of these interracial couple pages and all these mixed race children pages because you're causing more damage than you realize stop it so on a final note justin mcclure suck your mom you're a dickhead you're an absolute dickhead you're a raging racist fuck you um and that's that that's really that for the um main podcast this week i'll be jumping onto the extra content to look at the star card as part of the tarot and also to talk about the protests that have been happening with trump um in london at the moment because obviously he's over here right now so we're going to be talking about that if you'd like to watch that extra content it'll be on patreon.com forward slash kelechi okafor once you become a patron, you give like $3 a month or whatever, you'll have access to all of that content. So I have been Kalechi Okafor. Thank you so much for listening. Um, and this has been Say Your Mind Pod, officially known. This has been SYM, officially known as Say Your Mind, unofficially known as What What? That is right. Suck your mom. Yes. Follow me on at Say Your Mind Pod and at Kalechnikov. Thank you so much for listening.
Peace. It's the Ben's Brunani woman, this baby boys, baby girls, you need to hear this. Be sit down, sit down, receive this realness. Make sure your cup's ready for the tea, we are go sippy here. Hard time scrolling for your long truths. You might learn something you never know. Collect you find, and she's one of a kind. Don't say you mind, say you mind.